We all know that I love making and recording my own podcast. Loudmouth is my heart and soul. But what's even more fun is that it's easy to do. And guess what? (laughs) You can do one too. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and anywhere else you can listen to podcasts. You can make money from it with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast right there in one place for free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello, world, and welcome back to Loudmouth Podcast. I'm your host, Madison Hadler, here, and we actually have some exciting things going on today. So, as you may or may not know, I am a senior at Drury University, and I am a communications and political science major. So, the fun thing about being a senior is that you um, get to end all your all your four years at any school that you go to with some big project. And if you're a double major like me, usually means two big projects, one for each school that you're in. So the fun thing is my communications senior seminar is what it's called, is going to be this lovely podcast right here. Uh, So that's going to be fun. And guess what it's all going to be about? It's going to be about relationship violence, all the things in between on college campuses. So whether you go to Drury or you don't go to Drury, you go to whatever school you go to, you may have come with some frustration or maybe not, happy for you if not, of how your school handles teaching people about Title IX, about sexual assault, about relationship violence, about all in between any sort of sex discrimination on campus. I know we have had a lot of speakers who I have had some problems with in how they address the issues and how they talk about it and just how it makes people feel ultimately at the end of it. So my project is going to be a six-week series on the different aspects of Title IX and sex discrimination and all the things that go in between from stalking to relationship violence to all that. So just ahead now, trigger warning for all of this. Um, It's going to be talked about, and I know it stinks. It's not fun to talk about, but I'm hoping to be more educational in it, give you guys some more information for people who may not get the information they should, and... I just I don't want to make it fun, quote unquote, but I want to make it more accessible and more interesting to know about and make it so that you guys know what's going on because you go to college, most of you, even if you don't, this 
extends into all aspects of work life of anything in that sort so it's gonna end the six week series is gonna end with a live show this is the first time i'm announcing it on here i have it on my facebook and also if you go to the link in my bio on instagram at loudmouth pod you will be able to see the clicking and you can click it and go to the event and click and click and say you're going and support me in my senior seminar um, it's gonna be at jury's camp and I'm going to be talking about healthy relationships, healthy dating in college, and giving you unsolicited advice and opinions. I'm also going to be showcasing some bad dates that you may have had or anything in between. So be on the lookout on my Instagram stories and stuff for a Google form for you guys to fill out and tell me all your funny stories or awkward experiences, all that sorts. So Now that I got that out of the way, introducing this lovely topic, we're going to start out with what is Title IX? So I put a poll up on my Loudmouth Pod Instagram and I asked, do you know what Title IX is? Pretty much all of you guys knew, so about 97% knew what Title IX is and about 3% didn't know what Title IX is, which is pretty good, but could still be better everyone should know what it is if you step on a college campus you should probably know what title IX is and how it affects you um in all shapes and sizes so i'm going to be telling you all about what it is and i'm gonna warn you it's a lot of information but it's really good information title IX, plain and basically says that no person in the united states shall on the basis of sex be excluded from participation in be denied the benefits of or be subjected to discrimination under any educational program or activity receiving federal federal financial assistance and you might be thinking i thought title nine had to do with stalking with sexual assault all that stuff it does don't worry title nine entitles entitles <laughs> title nine includes all sex discrimination which in a sense in essence includes stalking relationship violence all of that sorts so some obligations of this title nine include recruitment so um basing a decision on who you're going to recruit for your college um off of sex admissions counseling financial assistance athletics sex-based harassment, treatment of pregnant and parenting students, discipline, single-sex education, and employment. All educational facilities that receive a Title IX complaint must hear it out, must listen to both sides of the story, must determine if there was a policy violation or not. So basically the person that the complaint is going against, they can't decide, no, that's not true because that's not their place. It is the place of the Title IX coordinators and the people involved in running everything with that. So Title IX is looked at under the U.S. Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights, enforces all Title IX Act, and it ensures that institutions that receive federal funding uphold the act and they evaluate, investigate, and resolve complaints alleging sex discrimination. So 
your university, your school, whatever it may be, reports all violations, reports all complaints to the Office of Civil Rights in the U.S. Department of Education. So they make sure and investigate all things that are being said, making sure that the institutions are handling it right, all those that are federally funded, and making sure that those are hold, upholding the values, the ideas that Title IX embraces, and if not, ultimately, their federal funding could be taken away from them. As I said before, Title IX includes all discrimination based on sex, which ranges from so many things. So we're going to kind of get into um, what this ranges and the different definitions of them. Because your definition of what sexual misconduct may be is maybe different from your university's definition of it but more than likely the u.s department of education's definition of it so that first kind of information i got straight off the u.s department of education's website and this information that i'm going to give now is straight off of Drury university's website and you can go to whatever school whatever university you're in and search title nine and you should get a bunch of resources that are kind of confusing you should get frequently asked questions questions about it you should be able to find all information regarding title nine but what i'm doing here is literally taking all that information that is so boring to read and not fun and giving it to you guys to know to absorb and to listen to my beautiful voice because i know that's what we all want sexual harassment and sexual violence are a form of sexual discrimination as i said before so we're going to kind of define these so first of all sexual misconduct it's an umbrella term that covers sex discrimination, sexual harassment, and sexual violence. Sexual harassment is defined as unwelcome sexual advances, requests for sexual favors, and other verbal, physical, or visual conduct of sexual nature when the, submis the submission to this is made or threatened to be made a term or condition of an individual's employment or education. So... If these unsex unwelcome sexual advances are interrupting your academic or it's making you feel uncomfortable in living quarters on a team or in uh, employment situations, that can be understood as sexual harassment. And specifically, what sexual harassment can be is pressure for a dating, romantic, or intimate relationship, unwelcome touching, kissing, hugging, or massaging, pressure for sexual activity, Unnecessary references to parts of the body, sexual innuendos or sexual humor, obscene gestures, sexual pictures or posters, sexually explicit profanity, asking about or telling about sexual fantasies, social medias that used to violate this, so either a Snapchat, an Instagram, a DM, an email, a Facebook message, whatever it may be, using social media to to give somebody unwelcome sexual advances, um, sexually explicit emails or text messages, or sexual violence. So sexual harassment can range from just things you say to all the way up to any kind of physical activity that may not be welcomed into 
whatever relationship it made whole. So the next is sexual violence. Defining this underneath the sexual harassment umbrella includes physical sexual acts perpetrated against a person's will or where a person is incapable of giving consent because of their temporary or permanent mental or physical incapacity incapacity because they are below the minimum age of consent in the applicable jurisdiction or because of their incapacitation due to the use of drugs or alcohol so if they are too young to give consent um i know in missouri the age of consent is 17 so if they are younger than that could be seen as sexual violence if they are under the influence and not able to give a consent could be seen as sexual violence and sexual violence can range from rape or sexual assault, sexual coercion, so persuading or pressuring someone into any kind of sexual activity, or sexual exploitation, so taking sexual pictures and putting them on the internet for some sort of whatever satisfaction. Domestic violence Dating violence and stalking can also contribute to sexual misconduct when motivated by a person's sex. So domestic violence is defined as felony or misdemeanor crimes of violence committed by a current or former spouse or intimate partner of a victim by a person with whom the victim shares a child in common or has lived with somebody for a certain amount of time or has been married or is estranged whatever it may be that is kind of domestic violence so you have to have some sort of legal partnership with the person to be considered domestic violence then there is dating violence which is violence committed by a person who has who is or has been in a social relationship of romantic or intimate nature with the victim this is determined based on a consideration of the longevity of the relationship, the type of relationship it was, and the frequency of interaction between the two. Um, so that can be defined and figured out in the investigation of a Title IX complaint. And the next thing that can be put under these, this umbrella of Title IX is stalking, which is a course of repeated non-consensual non conduct directed toward another specific person that could be reasonably, reasonably regarded as likely to alarm, harass, or cause reasonable fear or harm or injury to that person. Cyberstalking is another form of this, just with social media sexual harassment, um, it's literally just stalking through social media. So DMing all the time, trying to find ways about being blocked, posting all the time, commenting all the time when it is unwelcomed can be seen as cyber stalking. So another question that I asked in my story, which is a very important question, was do you know where to go for help if you're discriminated against based on sex? And I said this ranges anywhere from sexual harassment, stalking, violence, etc. 65% said yes, and 35% said no. Which seems like a pretty good percentage. It's over the majority. But when you are literally surrounded in a college setting, surrounded with people who can do troubling things and whatnot and where you are literally kind of giving your life to be in this institution that's not that good especially after being in a lot of talks where one has talked about it's like title nine in school just like um 
jury does a talk every year. The people have to attend about it. And I know they get so boring. And I know they get so awful. And, um, you know, this is my personal opinion. So take it with a grain of salt. But a lot of victim blaming happens. A lot of um, heteronormative explanations by a old white man about just all of the sorts. I know people tune it out. And I totally get that. Because I will say I have also tuned it out but when you are literally living on a campus and you don't have your parents there and you don't have teachers watching out for you every second because you're an adult quote-unquote an adult however you may feel like one you should know where to go if something goes wrong and that's not anything against the people who said they don't know I'm glad you were honest with me But that makes me so sad for universities across campus because people should know that. And I'm sure, and this is my own just thought process on it, I'm sure that a lot of reasons why people don't report these incidents is because they don't know who to go to. And that is all the institution's fault. They should be making it so clear, so obvious, and making it safe for people to report these things. So... You know what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to do what your universities didn't, and I'm going to tell you how to report. So this is strictly based on my college, but I'm sure, actually I'm almost positive it is the same on most college campuses everywhere. So obviously look it up to your specific college, but I'm going to tell you about mine. So how do you report? What a great question. I'm going to tell you right now. So you can file a complaint either in person or verbally with Title IX coordinators at schools. So Title IX coordinators are people who have been trained to, one, train other professors, trained to handle Title IX cases, and trained to know how to report to the U.S. Department of Education, know how to investigate, and all that sorts. Um, So they are very capable people, well, should be very capable people of handling these types of situations, and it should be one of their only jobs on campuses to deal with such things of this nature. So a lot of places have head Title IX coordinators who are the ones who train the other professors, and then there are quote-unquote deputy coordinators, and these people are the ones who investigate situations, determine if it violated um policies or not and the title nine coordinator is the one who oversees it all and trains other professors to do such so it is encouraged for students to submit it in writing through email with a document attached or in any other written form um it should describe the incidents where and when it occurred and the remedy that the uh person that the victim wants to happen in the end so that the coordinators can look over that and keep that in mind while investigating and try to give it to the victim if they deem that there was a policy violation um the form the complaint should include your address home phone cell phone or any evidence that you may have whether it be text messages whether it be actual physical evidence whatnot Um, You should have that all there. This is to literally make the investigation happen faster. And it's to, as awful as it sounds, legitimize your complaint and make sure that people in the Title IX office take it seriously, although they should anyway. Just 
you know, to take it quote unquote more seriously. Coordinators are not confidential sources, which is something that I did not know. They will try to keep your information as private as possible, but confidentiality cannot be guaranteed. If you request complete confidentiality, the university will still be obligated to investigate your complaint to the extent possible without revealing any personal identifiable information. If your report discloses an immediate threat to you or the university campus community um, where they must notify the campus for health or safety of the community, then the university may not be able to obtain to maintain confidentiality. The Title IX coordinator and the director of safety and security will evaluate requests for confidentiality. So they will try, basically what that's trying to say is that they will try their best to keep it as confidential as possible if you request that. But if it poses a harm to the community, um, then they might not be able to do that. Basically all this is saying is, yes, we'll keep it confidential with a big old asterisk on it saying, we might not if it, we deem it necessary for it not to be confidential. And they're saying that investigation, investigations might not happen as quickly and as soon as possible if you choose to remain it confidential. If you don't want to go in person and you don't want to send an email, you can report anonymously on web tip pages, Google on your university's website to see where that is. Parents will not be told unless you tell them or unless there's a life-threatening situation if you have signed the FERPA. So if there's a life-threatening situation and you have not signed the FERPA, which is the thing basically allowing parents to still see your grades and records and all that sorts after you're in college because you are a quote-unquote adult um, and you it's a life-threatening situation and you give someone permission to tell your parents they will do it, or if you sign the FERPA, they will just automatically tell your parents if it is life-threatening. But if it is not life-threatening, they will not be the ones to contact your parents. Although they, quote-unquote, highly recommend that you do tell your parents just in case any medical bills arise or police investigations arise. They will not be the ones to do it. They entrust you with telling them if you want to. There is no time limit on a complaint, but the sooner you report, the better it is because universities may be unable to adequately conduct an investigation if too much time has passed or the students have graduated or left the school because they may not be able to bring them into questioning if they have already left the state, city, area, whatever it may be. That was a lot. I know. Basically, all it's all it's all it's saying, all as it is saying, is that you can report either through an email or written context to the Title IX coordinator. You can go in person to the Title IX coordinator, or you can anonymously anonymously report it on a web tip. You should provide as much evidence as you can, and as much information about the incident and all your contact information. If you want to remain conf- confidential. If you want it to remain confidential, they will try their best, but there's no promises. And if it is a harm to the community, they will not keep it confidential. They won't tell your parents unless it is life-threatening and you tell them to tell your parents or you've signed the FERPA. And there's no time limit on it, but you should try to report it as soon as you feel comfortable and ready to do so so that they can get the investigation rolling and not as time passes where people forget about the incidents, DNA that you may have of evidence goes on, or physical evidence, anything you may have can go away. 
So through all this, because it's a lot, you can ask for a support person to accompany you during the investigation process. The support person cannot be a potential witness in the matter or another respondent in the same or related matter, complainant in the same matter. The support person does not serve as an advocate on behalf of them and cannot actively be involved in any of the proceedings and must agree to maintain the confidentiality of the investigation process. So if you need to have a friend with you, um, because obviously it's a very hard thing going through all that, going through talking and retelling your story over and over again, you are totally able to, but they cannot advocate on your behalf. They cannot be a part of the investigation, and they cannot be someone who is also filing a complaint against the same related matter. The complainant and the respondent may also ask the Title IX coordinator to make a campus advisor available to them if either party wants assistance through the investigation process. These advisors are not advocates who are trained to assist victims of sexual misconduct and cannot speak on behalf of a student in any investigation process. These advisors serve as a point of contact to answer questions and explain processes, join the student in meetings, and make sure the student's needs are being addressed. So basically, they're kind of like your person who knows more about the system so that they can answer any questions, make sure you feel comfortable, and make sure no one's pressuring you throughout this um, situation and making you feel uncomfortable with anything that is going on. It can take up to 60 days to investigate. So the sooner the better so that they can get it quickly done. But this doesn't always mean that things come quickly as evidence comes in, as they have to go through and ask witnesses, get testimonials, and all that sorts. So it kind of stinks because you want it to be one and done. You want it to be over with. But it can take a longer time just to make sure that everything is being addressed. You may be asking, what happens after I file a complaint? Good question. I got you. If the person needs medical attention, it will be given right away. The university will take steps to notify the campus if it is a threat to the community. Investigation will begin, and if additional information, assistance, and resources is needed, it will be provided. So if you need um, any sort of assistance in therapy after any sort of situation that happens to you if you need a support person they will be trying to get you all that is needed but you have to ask them for it the title IX coordinator or deputy coordinator will meet with the complainant and outline options and in case of sexual assault they can pursue criminal charges so you can um, the title IX coordinator and the deputy coordinator will meet with you if you file a complaint ask you questions, give you any options that you have, and if you want to pursue it with the police outside of campus, you can do that. Um, You may also be asked to provide a written account of the incident, an assessment regarding the necessity of interim measures to protect the complainant until investigation is complete. So if you need to change living quarters, you need to change class schedules, you need counseling, you would need to ask of of them to make sure that you are protected on campus make sure that during the investigation process you don't get hurt the respondent will be notified so the person you are filing a complaint against against will be notified on it they will be asked to provide their response or side the coordinator will assign the investigation to one or more individuals from the trained pool so this is the deputy coordinators that are usually department chairs or professors on campus 
They will interview any witnesses and try to collect as much evidence as they can. And at the end, investigators will provide the coordinator with a report and recommendations to decide whether or not the pilot, the policy violation occurred. There are three options for resolution. They can either choose that no violation or impose sanctions. There is no reasonable cause based on the evidence. Sexual misconduct policy was violated. There is an informal administration Administrative resolution, based on the information received throughout the investigation process, sanctions will be opposed, and the issue will be resolved through administrative resolution. Both parties must agree to all aspects of the resolution, and there are no further appeals. And then there's a formal resolution. So if there's no administrative resolution, or if the complainant or respondent appeals the administrative resolution, either party may invoke their right to a hearing. So no violation, basically saying that the investigative team found that no violation of the sexual misconduct policy occurred. Basically, the person doesn't get in trouble. There's an informal administrative resolution. So this means this can range anywhere from being suspended from school, being kicked out of school, being um, not allowed in classes with that person. Could literally range from anything, but they find a violation with all the evidence and both parties must agree to it. And then a formal resolution is if one party does not agree to it, or maybe both parties, and they appeal the process, and basically the process starts all over again, trying to make sure that both parties are happy. That was a lot of information, but it's really, really good to know and to be aware of it on campus. I asked, do you or did you trust your school when and if you reported such things? I have 15% who said yes, and 85% who said no. How crazy is that? And that is kind of what I'm hoping with this series is that I make it more clear and maybe not get you guys to trust your universities because, you know, always fight the system, fight the man. But so that you know, if you were to go to an administrator, and talk to them about this stuff, that you know your rights in this situation, that you know what needs to go down and what needs to happen, and that you're able to, you know, lay out this podcast as evidence of, hey, dude, I know what's going on and what you're doing is fucked up. And I'm so sorry that most of you feel unsafe to report. That is not okay. And I'm hoping that with this series, I kind of inspire some advocates within you guys to talk about it with um, the people who are in charge of safety and security at your schools to make sure that you guys are getting the things you need because you're spending four years of your life at this university and you need to feel safe, especially if you're living on campus. So things to look forward in this series is we're going to be talking about LGBTQ plus and how they kind of fit into this realm of sexual assault and relationship violence on college campuses. That's one topic. I'm going to be talking about Greek life and sexual assault, uh, mainly about, you know, the stereotypes that a lot of people have about frat parties and frat men, which, you know, albeit some of them are true and definitely a lot of places with frat parties, you don't feel safe. But that is not all the case, and we're going to kind of talk about it with my friend Nicole, who's on my last episode, just about 
how we can fix that culture, how we can use the frat men as allies. And then I'm going to do a tell-all at the end, kind of talking about people's interactions with Title IX. So be looking out for a Google form for you guys to fill out on there. It'll all rename. Remain anonymous, of course, but I want to tell your guys' stories and I want you guys to have a voice because even if you might have not have a voice on your college campuses, I want you to have a voice through me because, listen, people, we're fucking loudmouth over here, okay? We're not here to sit back and quietly watch the school system, you know, not handle Title IX cases well. We're here to fight, to cause trouble, to advocate for better policies, to advocate for professors and teachers that are allies with us and make our community feel safe again. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have any questions or anything regarding this episode, please feel free to email me, loudmouthpod1 at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at loudmouthpod. Make sure you use my little link in the bios. Look at my live again. Check it out. It'll be October 24th, and I'll be, you know, marketing it in every way that I can because I would love to see all your smiling faces. If you guys have any stories about reporting Title IX cases on your campus, feeling unsafe on campus, please feel free to message me about it. I would love to hear it. I mean, not that I would love to hear it. I want you to feel safe. But I want you to be heard. I want to tell your story. And I want this to be a very conversational series about how colleges can be doing better, how universities can be doing better, and how high schools, all this education reform can be so much better. So thank you guys so much for listening and tune in with me next week to talk about Greek life and sexual assault, relationship violence, and all that ish with Nicole. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Stay loud, my friends. (laughs) 